Turn with me, please, this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. As we continue in this wonderful book, today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through really, really 27. This story of Jesus walking on water is one that many people know, even if uh, they are not in the church or uh, taught in the church. Many will understand, hey, Jesus, that's the guy that walked on water. This text that we're looking at today, the story is actually verses 22 through 33, but I want to take this and break it into two sermons, two parts. Today I want us to look at verses 22 through 27, and then next week I want us to focus on Peter and his interaction with the Lord on that water in verses 28 through 33. We'll look at that next week. So if you're able to stand, would you stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word? Matthew chapter 14 beginning in verse 22. We're actually going to read all of this text down to verse 33, but we're going to focus our sermon today on just the first five verses. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side when he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Amen? Let's pray. Dear precious Father in heaven, we thank you for this time to gather as your people to hear the truth of your Son, Jesus Christ. You have given us this gospel account. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to listen to you speak to us. Lord, there are many times where we do not see nor do we hear your voice. It's because there are too many distractions causing us fear or or a barrier between us and you. And so, God, I pray this morning that you would cause those barriers to fall, that you would cause whatever distraction or worry or fear that is in our mind at this moment to dissipate. And I pray, God, that you would speak boldly to us. And I pray, God, that you would be in this room with us and that you would cause your presence to be known to us. We love you and we desire you. And so, Lord, this time is for you. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please have a seat. The first thing to set straight about this passage is that this story is not about Peter's weak faith or our weak faith in the midst of life's storms and struggles. You ever heard that? This passage, this story does not teach us how to face the storms of life. And unfortunately, that is what many people take away from this passage. In other words, 
the stories of Jesus in the Gospels are more about us than they are about Him. And I want us to understand that because we can look at Matthew's account of Jesus walking on the water from two viewpoints. We can look at it from a human-centric position that all things happen and they happen because of us. Or we can look at this text from a Christ-centric perspective that all things that happen, happen because of Jesus. And if we look at passages like this in the Gospels and we think it's all about us and how we live our lives, then we are missing the bigger truth here, the only truth, that it is Jesus Christ and Christ alone who saves us and it is He who we look to and it is He who we embrace. Instead, many have, in my lifetime, I have heard teachings on this text and it all boils down to us. How do we navigate the storms of life? I think there's a lot more here than that in this text. So as we look here today, that the proper study of Scripture, and that's not just for this this story here of Jesus walking on the water. I I propose that when you look at all of Scripture, all of Scripture is focused on Jesus Christ. So let us examine this story here with that in mind of understanding who Jesus is. Jesus had one nature, yet two natures at the same time. Jesus is the God-man. You ever heard him described that way? He is the God-man, meaning that he is God and he is human at the same time. Neither nature conflict, neither nature contradict. Both natures in Christ Jesus are one. And we're going to see some of this here. Both of these aspects of Jesus are evident as he serves as the master teacher to his 12 disciples here. We're going to set the stage. We've got to remember that scripture here reveals that all that God reveals about himself, all the more God reveals who Jesus is here as well. So what does this passage reveal about Jesus? There's three things I want us to take a look at. And it all boils down to one point. Jesus is sovereign over all events. You ever heard of God's providence, the providential hand of God? It's that God orchestrates all things. And and, and when we look at Scripture from a human-centric standpoint, we miss that point because when God orchestrates all things and we think about it from our viewpoint, God's orchestrating all things because we are so important, so the Scriptures are all about us. God's providential hand is about Him and His glory and His sovereignty over all things. And in that is well-being for his creation. That's you and me too. So all what we're seeing here in this story is that Jesus, as the God-man, he is sovereign over all things, over all events. And he knew that a great storm would come in the night. He knew that the wind would stir up and the waves would beat against the boat. He knew that his 12 would be caught in this great dilemma because he placed them there, and he knew that they would fail to look at him and they would fail to trust him. Jesus is sovereign in this story. It's a real event, and that's what happened here. When we look here at Matthew verses 22 through 24, let's read these again. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him into the other side while he dismissed the crowds. What is happening here, let's remember that last week we looked at the previous passages where Jesus fed 5,000 men plus the wives and the children. A wonderful event. 
a grand miracle, the greatest miracle of all miracles that are recorded in the Gospels we looked at last week. And I remember the context. These disciples had just experienced that, and these disciples had just participated in that. By Jesus' direction, I want you to feed them. They had just encountered, literally had just encountered the greatest miracle of Jesus' ministry. That's the context. As they come into this boat to go on to the other side. But why are they going? Matthew begins this passage in verse 22 telling us about Jesus' authority here. Immediately he made the disciples go into the boat and to the other side. This is pointing out who Jesus is. It wasn't that Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you know, I think it might be a good idea that you get into the boat and leave. If you really want to, you can get into the boat and and just go where you want to go. That's not what Jesus said. Look here in verse 22. Matthew is pointing out the authority of Christ here. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Immediately he made them do it. This idea of making them. Now in the King James Version, it says straightway Jesus constrained his disciples. That's a big word. That's all poetic. Straightway, he constrained his disciples. The idea here is to compel them, to force them, to make them go. In other words, Jesus did not give them a choice. I want you to get into this boat. I want you to go across the sea. Go. That's the first step of Jesus' authority here. He makes his disciples go. He compels them. When we look here, at verses 22 through 24, notice here in verse 22, he says, he sends them away, and as he sends them, he dismisses the crowds. He's dismissing the great crowds that he just fed. Now, you can imagine after doing that type of ministry, that overwhelming level of ministry, how tired you would be. And so Jesus is sending them out. And so we see here in verse 23 what's happening. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So he sends his disciples away, and now Jesus goes up to the top of the mountain that was right there by the seashore for what the sole purpose of solitary prayer. It's important to understand here because he's setting up these disciples to be by themselves for a little bit, while he himself, the Lord and Master, is alone by himself for a little bit. Jesus is directing this whole thing. In verse 23, when evening came, he was there alone. Verse 24, but... but but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So we see here in verses 22 through 24 what's happening. It's that Jesus is by himself. His disciples are by themselves. And all of this is by Jesus' direction, his providential hand. Now, when we look at this text... If you're taking notes, there is a parallel passage to the Matthew account in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. We'll be going to that from time to time. If you want to put your finger between them, you can, or if you just want to take notes in your bulletin, you can. Visitors, if you're with us, there are places in your bulletin to take notes at your leisure if you wish. But when we look at at, uh, Mark's account, we see here some more details. We're going to look at some of those. But before we look at that as well, think about this. This is not the only time that Jesus was dealing with the disciples in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. If you remember back in Matthew chapter 8, 
We looked at this long time ago. We've been looking through Matthew now. We've been preaching through Matthew for a year and a half. Back in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was also in a boat with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, but in a different context. It was a great tempest, a great storm that the scriptures call this storm a tempest, which means it was not the normal storm. It was magnified. But the the account in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was asleep in the boat with them. And he was just sleeping in the midst of the storm and his disciples were going nuts, remember? And Jesus awakens and he calms the storm. So when we come to Matthew chapter 14, we have to remember these disciples have been through this before. They've been through this before with their Lord. The only difference is now in Matthew 14, Jesus is not with them in the boat. But they encountered something much bigger on that Sea of Galilee in Matthew chapter 8. And Jesus showed them his mighty power then that they could trust him. But now in Matthew 14, he's not there with them by Jesus's design, by his providential hand. But we notice here that in Matthew chapter 8, as Jesus gave orders for his disciples to go across the sea, He sets the stage for another event where he calms the storm even then. And he's doing the same thing here. This storm in Matthew 14 apparently is not as big as the one in Matthew 8, but still it was the normal condition of the Sea of Galilee at nighttime apparently to be a dangerous journey. These these fishermen, disciples would have understood that. They would have known how to deal with this. And so they were going across the sea. Now let's take a look here in verse 23 and 24. Notice here that when Jesus, in verse 23, he goes to the mountain to pray, and when evening came, he was there alone. But then in verse 24, we now have the the setting of the stage. The boat is in the midst of the sea, a long way from shore, by themselves, and the winds were against them. Now, notice in verse 25, there's there's a distance of time here between verses 24 and 25. Because by the end of verse 23, Matthew tells us that the evening came. That would have been the first... That would have been the first hours of the evening, just as the sun was going down. But in verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. That's a long time. In the middle of the night, with the winds blowing and the waves crashing, Jesus allows time to transpire. Notice this. The fourth watch of the night is of important detail. Because in verses 23 and 24, time passed as Jesus sends his 12 away and he sends the great crowds away. So by verse 24, Jesus is alone in prayer and the boat holding the 12 is now far from shore. And we see the indication here that they were fighting the wind probably around midnight and the waves against the boat were crashing. But then in verse 25, the fourth watch of the night is a detail that's important because Jesus waited in prayer for a long time. He waited in prayer for a long time. The fourth watch of the night would have been about three hours before sunrise. So all night long, these disciples were on the, on the Sea of Galilee without their Lord in the boat, struggling against the wind and the waves. It's important to notice here because Jesus is controlling every event that's happening here. Verse 25 says, And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. 
Now, Mark's gospel gives us a little bit more detail here. If you flip over to Mark chapter 6, let's understand here exactly how Jesus came to them. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 47, then we'll go into 48. Mark, Mark 6, 47. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. Verse 48. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. See, Mark's account gives us a little more detail. It's not only that they were on the Sea of Galilee fighting the winds and the wave. How were they fighting them? They were what? struggling painfully. They were making headway painfully. You ever try to row a boat with wind going against you? But these were strong fishermen, right? They could understand. They knew what to do here. But the detail here is important. Jesus is orchestrating everything happening that night. He is the Lord of all creation, the Lord of heaven and earth. He understood the wind and the waves. He understood that struggle that they would have on that. They were having difficulty in rowing against the wind. So Jesus here, he comes to them, and when he sees their difficulty, Mark's account tells us that Jesus saw their difficulty. He's up on the mountain praying, and he sees their difficulty. So what does he do? He begins to come and walk to them. Anybody here ever walked on top of water? Y'all done that lately? How many, how many men in this room as children thought, yeah, I'm, I'm Superman. I can walk on water. Yeah. Boys, we know what boys do. We want to jump off the roof because we're Superman. We can fly. Wouldn't, wouldn't put it past us to walk on the water either, would it? We can't do that. But we see here in the text, Jesus is walking on water. He walks to them. So he comes to them. He sees their struggle. And again, Mark's account, 648, indicates that as Jesus walks on the water, he intended to pass them by. Notice as Jesus walks to them, it's like he's just going to casually walk by. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate that. Don't you see our struggles here, Lord? And Jesus, by His design, by His sovereignty, as He walks to them on the water, like every day, walks by. That's that's an important detail that Mark helps us see. In other words, think about this too. If that is happening, these men have been struggling on the Sea of Galilee all night long. And here is Jesus walking from the mountaintop down the valley onto the water, out into the middle of the sea where they are, and he's passing them. That's how much struggle they were having and how much ease it was for our Lord. He walked faster than the struggling boat. He walked faster and at more ease than his disciples did. Now let's take a look here at verse 26. But when, and this is Matthew 14, 26, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, how did they respond? They were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Notice the response here of the twelve when they see Jesus walking past them on the surface of the sea. They were terrified. They cried out in fear. A profound supernatural event is happening here. Imagine a storm with winds and strong waves. A natural event is accompanied by an apparent ghost. An apparent ghost. They think a ghost, a supernatural creature is coming by them. Yet these men missed the single greatest truth of the circumstances they were in. 
Their, their thoughts, their minds did not view the events of this fallen world around them through the lens of Christ. How were they looking at the winds and the waves and their struggles? They were not looking at it through the lens of Christ, the Son of God by whom and for whom the creation came to be. They were looking at this wind and the waves and their struggle with the oars in the boat through their own fallen, weak viewpoint. They thought they were seeing a ghost walk by. That tells you they were not, they did not have their mind focused on Christ. They did not have their mind focused on our Lord. He made all things. Because, I mean, this was a natural event with the high winds and waves, which would have been a normal occurrence for the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night. Who made that sea? Who made the winds? They weren't thinking of that. They were thinking of an evil spirit walking past them who, who may have even caused this event. But instead, it was Jesus Christ. See, if they had been thinking about Jesus Christ in the midst of this, they would have remembered that it is through Jesus Christ that all things were created and by Him and for Him they were made. In Colossians chapter 6 verse 16, um, Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Had these disciples had the mind of Christ in the center of who they were, they would have instinctively known this. In John chapter 1, verse 3, all things came into being through him, Jesus, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. See? In John chapter 1, verse 10, the gospel tells us he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. That's what we're seeing in this story of these disciples on the sea. Their creator, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who made all things through him and for him, all things came to be. The wind, the waves, the sea, and the disciples. Remember, you and I, as human beings, we are part of creation. We are created by our Lord. So we are part of that too. Verse 27 here helps us understand a little bit deeper here about what's going on. Verse 27, as they cried out, it is a ghost. Notice how Jesus responds to them in the midst of this. No, remember, he's just walking on the water. He's going to meet them on the other side. I can imagine Jesus. Can you, can you picture this? Jesus, as he walks across the sea and passes the boat and he gets to the other side and they finally get to the other side, probably the next morning sometime. And there Jesus is waiting for them. I can see Jesus doing that with his 12, can't you? But instead, what is he doing here in verse 27? As he hears their cries, as he hears their fear, verse 27, Matthew 14, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. That's how Jesus acts, doesn't it? That's how he treats us in the midst of what Jesus himself is causing. He stops. 
This last verse, 27, that we're going to look at today shows us Jesus' great authority. He is Lord over all creation. He is Lord over the heavens. He's Lord over the earth. He's Lord over all living things. He is Lord over all of humanity. Now, remember, we as human beings, we are part of creation, yet we are unique. We are made in the, in the image of God, the Imago Dei. Jesus Christ himself, the God-man. He's Lord over it all. And then we see that here in verse 27 as he, as he hears these create, these creatures, if you want to use that language, the, the, these human beings, these men that he had gotten to know so well through his own ministry, and he had poured his whole being into them as he orchestrates this whole event. Remember, he told them to get into the boat and to go. He knew what was going to happen. <laughs> he knew that they, in the middle of the night they would be rowing and struggling against the sea and the wind. He knew all of this. And he comes to them here, verse 27. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 6, verse 49, tells us that when the 12 disciples saw Jesus, they thought a, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out. And Matthew 14, verse 26, tells us that the 12 were terrified. And in verse 27, this shows us Jesus' sovereignty over all things. He, he, he's even sovereign over all things that are terrifying, that cause the weak-minded to fear. Anybody been through that? You're terrified about whatever is happening in the moment. You feel like you've lost control. That's exactly where our Lord wants us to be so that we see His authority, so that we see His Lordship. We see that He is Creator over all things. But more importantly, He is our salvation. He is our Savior and our Lord. That's part of what Jesus is teaching here. See, I can see Jesus here. This is what is happening, I think, behind the scenes. Jesus, in His divine authority, His providential hand, is orchestrating these events to teach one more lesson to His twelve. I want you to, I want to teach you to trust me. I want to teach you what faith is. I want to teach you that you can look to me and see me no matter what, no matter when, no matter where. Do not take your eyes off of me, my friends. I am your savior. I am your Lord. You see what he's doing here? We're reminded here that as Jesus looks at him, he says, take heart in his eye. Do not be afraid. We're reminded that Jesus, He was in authority. Remember back in verse 22, He likewise was in authority as the boat traveled alone for some time in the night. And these 12 witnesses, Jesus' divine authority. Remember, they, they had the experience already in Matthew 8. They had first-hand encounter with Jesus as the God-man then. Remember back when the storm was about to kill them back in Matthew chapter 8? Here's how they responded then. They said, uh, Matthew eight twenty seven says, And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? These disciples already had that experience. Yet here they are in Matthew 14, forgetting that they said these words. What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? You see, Jesus was in control of this situation where the twelve were alone in the boat. He made them go. He was in control of the time that transpired from midnight until the third watch when he walked after them on the sea. He was in control of this lesson of faith and dependence that he wanted his twelve to learn that night. 
Now, Mark chapter 6, verse 52 gives us one more detail. It tells us that as Jesus comes to the twelve in the boat, the wind ceased a second time for these twelve. The high winds here in Matthew 14 would not be as strong as the great tempest that they they encountered in Matthew chapter 8. But Mark 6.52 tells us that these twelve were utterly astounded within themselves and wondered. They were utterly astounded within themselves and they wondered. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 52, here's what Jesus said, or this is what the encounter says. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Or another translation says, their heart was blind. Mark's account, Mark 6, 52, connects this event on the Sea of Galilee with the previous miracle of feeding of the 5,000. It's as if these 12, they were still learning. They did not grasp the great miracle of feeding 5,000 people plus. How could they understand that Jesus is Lord over all of creation as they're on the ocean? They still were learning. So all of Scripture, let's remember this, all of Scripture points to Jesus because all of Scripture centers on Jesus. If you ever want, if you're ever struggling with, okay, what does this passage mean? An easy start to begin the process as the Lord teaches us. Okay, how does this passage tell me about Jesus? Start there. And the Lord will walk you through the process. That's what's happening here as well. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark, they tell us of Jesus and His sovereign authority over salvation and over His creation, how He came to redeem what was broken in the fall. That's the Gospel message. All of creation is broken because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. That's why there's high winds and waves. That's why there's fear and terror. That's why there is a a doubt of who Jesus is. All of creation is broken. As you're talking Christians to your non-Christian brothers and sisters, and they can see the truth of the fallen world that we're in, but they can't quite figure out why, that's the gospel answer. That's the Christian answer. The creation is destroyed because of our sin. Well, broken. It's not just, it's broken. Because Jesus Christ, that's why He is here. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the God-man, has come to establish the kingdom of heaven. And part of that establishment is restoring that which was broken. The creation that we are in, He does that by first redeeming us, the sinful human beings that caused all this. (laughs) Redeeming us first so that He can restore it all back to perfection and even better. That is the sovereign power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's the heart of the gospel. And that's what we're seeing in this story as these men are struggling against the broken fallenness of the created order. They're struggling against the wind. They're struggling against the waves. They're struggling to survive in the middle of the night. They're even fighting their own terror and fear. And what's the answer? (laughs) 
Jesus Christ, their master, their teacher, who has been teaching them now at this point in his ministry, almost two years. They haven't figured it out yet. And he's teaching them one more time. Eyes pointing to Christ will see him even when the high winds and the waves distract us. We live in a world of more digital distractions now than these disciples would have feared. See, they were distracted. They were distracted by the winds and the waves and, and the terror of the fallen world. We're distracted not only by that, now we're distracted by things of our own creation. We made our own distractions too. Yet Jesus is always there. Matthew 14, verse 28, summarizes why Jesus directed these events the way they did. Look here at verse 28. We're going to look at this next week. And Peter answered him, this is after Jesus said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. We're going to look at that next week. Next week, we're going to examine Peter's encounter here and how Jesus is teaching him to trust. So how do we, how do we, how do we close this up? Think about this. Folks, I, I don't know where, where the Lord has you in this moment in your life. Uh, I don't know what's going on in your family. I don't know what's going on in your work. I mean, I do as you share them with me and I encourage you. I'm here for you. Just, I'll pray for you often. But folks, Jesus Christ is always visible if our eyes are willing to see Him. Jesus Christ, His voice is audible if we are willing to listen. Yet there are distractions keeping us from that. The first distractions are the, is the fall of this world. The brokenness of this world is the first distraction that will blind us and deafen us. Deafen us. Is that a word? Deafening? Is that, that's a, that's a Bushism probably. Deafen us to His voice. Jesus teaches us through these times to trust Him. Jesus teaches us to look for Him. Jesus teaches us to hear from Him. Fellow Christians in this room, and many of us who've walked with Christ for a long time, we can become very complacent in this journey with our Lord, can't we? That can also cause us not to listen and not to see. So as we are remembering what Matthew is sharing with us here, Jesus, His providential hand is at work. What is He trying to teach us? even as the wind and the waves come. Amen. Come on forward, Nathan. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank You for reminding us in Your Word who Jesus is. Your Son, Jesus Christ, is who You sent Him to be. He is, he is divine. He is human. He is, he is God incarnate. And so, God, as, as we struggle in this fallen world that we are a part of, I first thank you and give you praise that your Son, Jesus Christ, is here. In your people, in your church, He is here. When we cannot see our Lord, He can see, he can see us. When we do not fully understand that it is His hand directing us, he is doing it anyway. 
through God as, as, as you love us and you cherish us as your people. I thank you that you, that you caress us in your hands and you protect us from all spiritual battles, from all physical worries. Doesn't mean that they will be eliminated. It just means that you are there to go through them with us because you use those times to teach us to see you and to hear you and to trust you. And so, dear God, I pray all who are hearing this word this morning, who are hearing this passage this morning, Lord, I don't know where, where you're taking everyone. I know, Lord, that you, that you love all of us here and that you are guiding every step that we are taking. And so, God, I pray that in the midst of what everyone is in dealing with each day, each week, I pray, God, that you will use that to bring them to trust you, that you would use everyday circumstances, every storm, every battle, every spiritual uncertainty, cause that, Father, to open the eyes and the ears of your people. Lord, we, we love you. And I pray for your blessing here today. Love us, Lord, I pray as we, as we close. Pour out your spirit upon us. Cause us to see that you're nearby. In Jesus' name, amen.